Hey everyone, and welcome to our brand new episode of My Cancer Story Podcast. Today, you're going to hear David Richmond's story. David is an author, motivational speaker, transformation expert. He tells a story of his sister's cancer story who passed away from brain cancer and how it ultimately led and built up to him writing a book. His new book is called Cycle of Lives, where he tells 15 stories of people who who went through a cancer diagnosis and ultimately what they learned from it and the fact of going through trauma and how they're able to express and communicate that to the readers and the listeners. It's such a special story and you guys are just going to love hearing David speak and how much passion he has for this project that he did. I don't want to get too much into it. I don't want to spoil it because this is a super special episode. You guys are just going to adore this. Also, I am going to be doing some giveaways for this book. So please be on the lookout how to enter and then um, how you can win a copy of David's Cycle of Lives. So please, please listen to David Richmond's Cancer Story. Well, everybody, uh, I would like to welcome David to my Cancer Story podcast. As you guys heard, I gave a brief intro before we hopped on this interview. But David, thank you so much for joining me uh, for my Cancer Story podcast and to share your cancer story as long as well as 15 other cancer stories mm-hmm. with uh, my listeners out here. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Oh, really my goodness. It, yes. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So uh, as I, I left with my intro, I was um, I let my listeners know that you're an author, a motivational speaker, transformation, uh, transformation expert, uh, but you also do have a story uh, regarding brain cancer and your sister passing mm-hmm. from a brain cancer. Um, with how my episodes go, I typically let my guests take it away tell their cancer story and then I'll just ask questions along the way. Sure. Your story is this beautiful evolution of a story um, and mm-hmm. we'll definitely get to that. But uh, from here, I'll I'll let you take it from uh, telling your sister's story and then how it ultimately uh, inspired you to mm-hmm. to write a book and, and do everything you've done since then. Sure. Well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Um, so I, I don't know kind of exactly where to start, but I guess a good starting point is, um, you know, I was kind of at a pretty low point, a rough patch in my life. I was in a a bad marriage and I needed to get me and my four-year-old twins out of there and get us safe and get, get us out of there. And, and I did, um, I had stresses in my life, like we all do, but just everything was kind of coming to a head. I, I, I was overweight. I was a smoker. I, you know, I was just like not living my best life. And I just was just like finding myself at a pretty low, dark, dark point. And during that time, I get this call from my sister. And one of the things I loved about my sister was that we both had the same, you know, crappy childhood. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she had gotten to a point where she's got a beautiful marriage, she's got beautiful kids and great job and good friends and whatever else. And so I kind of always admired that, you know, she wasn't, nearly having the same kind of stresses that I was, she was, she was much smarter about it and, um, you know, or lucky or whatever. And then she calls me up and she says, Hey, I just got to let you know, I, I got brain cancer and it's terminal. And I'm like, Oh, she's oh, so, God. 
you know, that, that, that hit me and, and as it would anybody. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, first, because I knew how much was going to be taken away from her and I, you know, I could guess and, and, and it, and it did, you know, she had about four year battle and, and then okay. dying, you know, after, after that, but, um, you know, I was just like, I mean, I just, it was a wake up call for me to just go, dude, you, you got to start living your life on purpose. You got to start making good decisions. You, you got to start living your best life. I mean, you're not, you're just not, who do you want to be? And what are you, what are you doing? And so that's when I kind of changed my life. I stopped smoking I started eating better. I started running, you know, I started doing um, endurance events. And then I started doing Ironman triathlons and hundred mile runs and all this crazy stuff. Got myself like totally fit and I'm um, very healthy during that same time period. Like, so, you know, I'm, I'm on this, you know, at that one particular point, she's on a path towards what's going to be her untimely death. And I'm on a path towards kind of, kind of finally starting to live Living and be healthy. Life. Yeah. So in that case, we, we both had that as the thing that kind of put us down our paths, but that's what started me on the project towards, towards this book is, is when she passed away, um, I, I recognized that, um, people were really good. And I, I did, did a bunch of events where I witnessed, I was observing people and I talked to people and I, I, I recognized that people were really good about dealing with the tasks of their cancer. Mm-hmm. where am I going to get my pet scan? Who's going to watch the dog while I get chemo? How am I going to get time off of work? You know, these kind of things, but the emotional side of it, either self self-inflicted or, or people abandoning them or whatever, they just, people didn't know how to navigate the emotional side of it. Mm-hmm. And that was the impetus for the book. Oh, that's so interesting. When you, when you mm-hmm. let off of um, saying that you're a smoker and overweight, I was just like, what? We just talked about you doing the triathlon. I was like, I, I can't even imagine I know. from the, the few moments that I've known you for your life to take such a, a 180 and, and ultimately your sister's brain cancer diagnosis yeah. led to that. So mm-hmm. with, with that evolution, um, how did you go about from the ideation of telling other people's stories. Like you, in this book, you have 15 different stories. Like how yeah. did, how did you start from point A and get to there? Uh, you're talking about the emotional portion yeah. of it. I'm just curious how, how it got there. So, you know, I, I really thought like, wouldn't it be cool to be able to help equip people to begin these conversations? Right. I was a little bit fortunate in that my sister and I were able to talk a lot. Right. But also her husband and kids were not able to talk about it. And to a dramatic effect, we're not able to talk about it. And I just was confused by that. And I said, I, you know, I said, my story is not that interesting. Like, I, you know, that's what every one of my book participants says too, is that the story, but they're all interesting. <laughs> they, oh, no, just, everybody thinks that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But at that time we're just living our lives. What do yeah. we know? Right. But I, I just didn't think that telling my story was anything special, but I thought if I could do this. And this was the idea, Jess, I thought, I said, um, if I could get a range of ages, mm-hmm. different types of cancer, different severity of cancer, uh, even the fear of cancer, stage zero, non, you know, um, you know, benign tumors, still a fear mm-hmm. uh, to somebody that had cancer five times. So, you know, different cancers, different severities, different times of their life, mm-hmm. different emotional responses to the cancer. Then I said, if I, if I 
got a 360 view of the cancer experience, emotional cancer experience, and compared and contrasted it and kind of framed it around the traumas in their lives before that. Mm-hmm. So traumas that we all have, abandonment, suicide, drug addiction, making bad choices, being dealt a bad hand, whatever. I said, if I could tell those stories, then perhaps maybe we could learn how to open up to the people that care about us when we're going through something traumatic, or perhaps we can learn how to bring people in that are going through or reach out to people that are going through difficult times and be better equipped to understand what they might be going through or what they might have gone through. Mm-hmm. Because I, I thought just like the most important thing in, in my life, and, and I think this is a lot of people can say this if they really think about it, is when you break it all down, all, all we really want to do is form deeper, more meaningful connections with the people we care about. And Absolutely. that's what the people we care about want to do as well. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, when it comes to really difficult times, you know, like when you're going through thyroid cancer, I don't want to guess, but I'm guessing that there's some people that didn't call you because they didn't know what the hell to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every, and you're like every, going, everyone I spoke to, like, yeah. You're the, going, about why cancer, won't they yeah. call me? Like, yeah. why, why don't they know what I'm going through and they're not able to reach out to me? Do you know, and I'm not, again, I, I don't know what your experience is, but mm-hmm. I, I can understand how that's a common thing. And if you, if you're looking for deeper relationships with the people that you have, and they are looking for that, which I think we all are, mm-hmm. then we have to be better equipped to start these hard conversations and realize mm-hmm. that it's okay to say something stupid. It's okay to ask dumb questions. It's okay to say the wrong thing, whatever. Yeah. It's okay to say, you don't know what to say. Uh, right. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but what's not okay is to just disappear or to mm-hmm. self-isolate or to, I don't want to burden them, so I'm not going to say anything, or I don't want to make them feel bad, so I'm not going to say anything, or mm-hmm. so much easier and safer for me to just not call than to call. I, I wanted to break through that. And I thought by telling these very remarkable stories um, that we might have some insight into what people are going through so that we can start those conversations. I love that. It, like you're saying, it really opens up the dialogue and what you said when we were off air, taking that stigma away from it. You know, like mm-hmm. I feel the past few years, the stigma of cancer and talking about cancer is lifted a little bit, which I think is fantastic. People should open up about it and, and share their story. And that's why I feel so lucky to be able to be do the, doing this podcast kind of like you. I don't think my story is that extraordinary, but I want to share other extraordinary stories. And, right. and this is the perfect platform to do so. And I love that you found a platform of a book and telling people stories through that too. And you were saying you had different age ranges of people and different types of cancer. What kind of age range were we looking at? Just lift off, list off a few different types of cancer that people told their story about. Sure. So what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to talk about the cancer. What I wanted to talk about was the emotions behind it. And so I don't have every sector of every type of person represented in the book, but Mm -hmm. I guess that the start would be um, a Jen story who who begins when she's a six-year-old girl and her dad is in home hospice, um, ready to pass away from uh, from mm-hmm. cancer. And that was her first interaction, right? That's when she became aware of it. Wow. And, you know, he would, he, she would put a little straw on a seven up and bring it over. And he would say, Oh, thank you, nurse Jen. And oh. she only has a few memories like that. But what does wow. she grow up to be? She grows up to be a pediatric oncology nurse because she wants to, oh. you know, give back. And she feels like this affinity to taking care of people. And she's like in her mid twenties. Now she's married. She has a, a young baby. And so 
I wanted to see how does her life today get affected by what happened to her when she was six. So mm-hmm. one story is a six-year-old. Another story is like Patricia, who I don't want to embarrass her if I don't know exactly, but she's got to be in her near 70 years old. Okay. And she's had cancer five different times Ugh. over almost a 40-year period. And they literally have cut out everything they've cut out. They could, they've given her every chemo they could give her, all, max radiation. She's been through the ringer. I mean, you name it, right? But her story really started with how does she develop strength to deal with that? Well, she developed that strength because prior to her very first cancer diagnosis, she was in a four-year horribly abusive um, physically and emotional relationship. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, had to create a new identity. She had to find a no safe way. space and she had to get, she had to escape this guy. And, and, and so how did she develop the strength to fight those cancers? So I'm going to frame it around this, this particular thing in her life. So I spoke to her, I spoke to an oncologist that had been a breast cancer oncologist at NYU for 40 years, people that, um, that lived with cancer from 30 years ago, people that recently, you know, I talked to a, a gentleman whose, whose wife had just recently died from brain cancer. So mm-hmm. uh, all different ages, all different time frames, all different severities. Wow. Then uh, these stories sound incredible. Like just you giving the cliff notes versions of a couple of stories. I'm like hooked yeah. already. Oh yeah. How did you find these people? Did, did you just <laughs> search online? Did like they find you? Like how, so how did that come about? Of, yeah. A little bit of all of that. I, I, okay. when I got this, so I, I needed not just really interesting cancer journeys. I needed very interesting emotional journeys, but I also needed people that were evocative and interesting and inspiring, mm-hmm. having overcome traumas in their lives that we could all identify with. Now, I don't know what it's like to be in an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. but I can wrap my brain around that a little bit easier than I can understand what it's like to fight cancer for five, uh, five different times over 40 years. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wanted really uh, emotional, moving, you know, very high and low points in people's lives that that develop the basis for them to be able to, or not to be able to navigate the emotions of cancer. So Mm -hmm. in relation to those traumas, so to find the people I had to, I cold call cancer centers. I, I, Oh yeah. I cold call cancer centers (laughs) saying, Hey, here's what I'm doing. (laughs) Who do you know? That's got like a remarkable story. And -hmm. they would tell me and I, you know, I, I, I talked to them. Sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it didn't. Um, mm-hmm. friends of friends. Uh, my wife actually went to high school, uh, where there was only a graduating class of a hundred people and five of them had had cancer. Oh. Um, and one of the people actually ended up, uh, uh, in the book. And, mm-hmm. and, um, so I, you know, friends of friends, you know, uh, whatever I, one time I was at work and, and I said to somebody what I was doing and she goes, Oh my God, I got the story for you. Uh, one time by accident. I'm in Vegas and I'm going to a music festival. I'm talking about the book in the back of a cab to a, to a buddy of mine. And the cab driver goes, dude, I got a story. And he told me a story and it was the most moving, insane, remarkable story ever. And he made it into the book. And, and, and so by hook or by crook or by accident, it happened. That's, that's incredible. It's just almost like that, like the snowball effect. It just, once yeah. it got rolling, it just picked up and you're finding mm-hmm. people. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, how long was this process from ideation to finding yep. the people to getting it written and everything? It, like it was a while. So yeah, I, can imagine. I, I came up with the idea, like, like I mentioned, 
um, you know, when June was going through this, this thing and, and, and really the, the, the pinnacle of me wanting to start this project, the idea when I got it was she was trying to make it to the end, um, uh, having, uh, been, being able to witness a 24 hour relay for life that was being done in her memory. And I mean, in her honor so that she could go out there and cheer for all the people on the track. And I said, well, I'll go run the, the thing for 24 hours. If you're going to be out there for 24 hours. And she didn't make it. She she died a couple of days before. So she didn't get to be there to watch that, but I did. And that's the start of it where I went, like people are able to talk, but they're not, when it comes to the emotional side, that that's an yeah. undercover darkness, right? It's just, yeah. you don't talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know you say it's getting better, but I don't know that it, that it's that good. Right. And yeah. honestly, it, uh, whether it's mental illness or the emotional journey of cancer or PTSD from whatever kind of trauma it's just still it's still just just tucked in the corner in in a lot of ways Uh, even for people that don't tuck it in the corner parts of it are still tucked in the corner so that was 2007 then about 2011 or so or 12 i finally started finding the book participants and then talked to them for a couple of years kind of framed how i was going to do the book in 2018 2016 I went on the bike ride so I biked 4,700 miles I said if if we're gonna be here's what I I thought that's insane I'm so amazed (laughs) so here's what I said I said if we're connected by emotion which I think we all are yes and we're connected by story which I think we all are look at your Mm -hmm. my cancer story right Mm -hmm. it's because that's what connects people we identify with stories and we go oh now I can have empathy for that person. I can understand them. I can relate. I can feel for them. And maybe that's a forms a deeper connection. Mm-hmm. So that's that's your whole gig. So I said, if we're going to be connected by stories, we're going to be connected by emotion, then let me jump on my bike and connect all of these people. You know, the thread, you know, the little little uh, red line drawing my, my route. Yeah. That's the thread that binds these stories together. So I went on the bike ride in 2016. Then I came back and started writing all the stories. And then between editing and back and forth with my editor and back and forth with the publisher, that was another few years. So the book just came out a year ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, a fun, good project. Long time coming. That's, that's, long, a, long that's a passion. Coming. That's a passion project for sure. Yeah. Wow. And you know, there's not a lot of money in books unless you're Oprah Winfrey writing a book or Stephen King, you know, whatever. But but there is yeah. some money. And 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 my wife and I said, let let's give 100% of the proceeds to the cancer-focused organizations that were chosen by the book participants. Okay. So, um, to just just to reiterate your your idea that it's a passion project is I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because mm-hmm. I really think that this book can help people, and I know that it has, and I know that it will. Mm-hmm. And as we continue to get um, you know, more readership and continue to be on you know great shows like yours, people are going to read it and they're going to go, oh, oh, maybe that's what they are going through. Maybe that's what they went through. Yeah. Or here's how they dealt with it. Or here's how they didn't deal with it. What can I learn from it? And what can I take to my own relationships? And how can I make those deeper and more authentic? And so that I'm hoping that's not a message that's going to die anytime soon. I don't think it will either. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's almost like that oral history before book, books were even written, you know, passing yeah. down, telling these stories along the way and people learning from other stories or other mistakes, whatever, however you say it. Uh, 
And I, I think that's incredible that you're, you're touching on the emotional aspect for people mm-hmm. to understand and to empathize and sympathize just so they know what somebody with cancer is going through and their actual process of, um, the morning of it, the, uh, the after effects of it, the PTSD, how it affected their relationships going yep. forward and everything like that. And I think, I think that's a really important topic to touch on because, mm-hmm. you know, like you're saying, the stigma is not all gone, but a lot of the times when people do get cancer and they just try to get through it, that's all they're doing. They're just like focused on that, like straight line ahead. I'm going to get to my appointments. I'm going to get to chemo. I'm going to do all these things. And then they're not really sitting back and, and, and identifying, unpacking what happened and mm-hmm. what's going to happen going forward. And in addition to that, their caretakers, their friends, their family, you're talking about your sister's husband and kids that mm-hmm. just had a really hard time talking about it and unpacking it. And that is not uncommon at all. <laughs> it's it's not. And look, I even uh, like one of my favorite stories is, is the story of Dr. Myers and she's a, uh, 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 breast male and female breast cancer oncologist and surgeon and has been practicing at NYU for going on close to 40 years wow. now and amazing story. And not only is, is she an amazing physician and is an advocate in the, in the, in the post-cancer world for wellness and, 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 you know, it's a real patient advocate. Um, her story is pretty interesting because she came up at a time when women were not oncologists and they wow. were not surgeons. I mean, heck, they were not doctors, right? Yeah. In fact, uh, she tells us this one story that's just fascinating how she's looking to build her practice and she's going to other doctors saying, I'll cover for you, mm-hmm. right? When you're out, I'll cover for you and I can get I can get patients. And this one guy looks at her and he says, look at you, you have curly hair. I'm not going to give my patients <sighs> to a woman doctor that has curly hair. That'll never happen. I mean, imagine that. <laughs> It's right? the curly hair that did it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Right. God, that's but, but ridiculous. I mean, it's 40 absolutely years ridiculous. Ago. That's not that long ago. I know. That's scary. not long ago but, at all. I know. But her, her story really revolves around a couple of traumas. One, she was abandoned as a kid by her father, never to be heard from again. And and I, I think that that's shocking because you look at a doctor and you go, wow, they're so this. And you put them up Together, on a pedestal and whatever. Yeah. And you realize, you know what? They had the same crappy stuff happen to them when they were young as you've had happen to you. Mm -hmm. That's one. Number two is was fascinating about her story. And she let me talk to her about it. She had never talked to anybody about it, not even her husband her friends or colleagues or whatever. As we talked about this thing, that when she first started out as an oncologist, she kind of had those blinders on. I'm a doctor. I'm going to fix people. If they don't take my advice, screw them. I'm on to the next patient. And then now She's had a beautiful marriage. She's, her daughter's grown and happy. She's lived this beautiful life. She's got all these friends. She's done what she wanted to do. She feels you know, passionate about the profession that she's been in for decades. And now when somebody doesn't want to take her advice, it really bothers her because she's like, if you don't listen to me, you could not get well. If you don't listen to me, you could possibly die. And I don't have time for that because you, I can't allow you to miss out on the things that you're going to miss out on possibly the quality of life, the length of life you're going to have. And so she's desperate 
to let her know that her parent, she cares for her patients. Like she really cares about them. And so when she's got to walk from one room where somebody says, I'm not taking your advice because I'll just sleep more and I'll, I'll stop eating red meat. That'll cure my cancer. <laughs> and, and she knows that it's not going to cure their cancer. Yeah. And, and, and then she walks into the next room. It's got a woman with two babies on her knee who has no chance to survive. And she's like, she's desperate for people to take her advice because she's really good at what she does. Mm -hmm. And I thought how important of a message is that to know that she's human, like all of us. Yeah. She's overcome odds like all of us. And she's compassionate as heck about what she's doing because she knows that what, if, if people don't listen to her, they might not have as high a quality of life or live as beautiful a life as she's lived. Mm -hmm. And I love that message because we oftentimes don't know what doctors are going through or even care, but yeah. I think, this is told a lot of people told me that'll make me a better patient hearing her story. It'll make me a better patient. That's no, that's incredible. And, and it does make you think like, damn, like doctors are humans too. And they have yeah. emotions too. And her taking what she's learned and lived in her life and what she yeah. appreciates. And she wants to yeah. pay that forward. Like, Hey, you yeah. too can have an amazing life. If we get through this together and we work together, like don't, yeah. Don't dig your heels in the sand. We can do this. And yeah. I, I love the fact that you're just telling these stories across the board and, mm -hmm. and giving so many different perspectives of different types of people of all walks of life. And it, for me, I'll, I know I'm going to back up a little bit. All I knew is if I was able to touch one person with this podcast, that it made all worlds a difference. And with your 15 stories, you're going to touch so many people because yeah. it's that one little bit of one little story that's going to either be an aha yeah. moment for somebody to be like, Oh my God, I totally get it. Oh my God. I can totally relate to mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's, that's worth it right there right. to be able to share that for people. Um, it does. It does. Let me tell you, yeah. can I tell you a super quick oh, story? Yeah, please. Let me tell you, let me tell you a story about Dr. Cruz. I don't often mention Dr. Cruz, but he, his story is remarkable. And yeah. he's, he was at the time the the chief medical officer for a very large health plan. Okay. Okay. So he's the system, right? He's the system. He's the guy that looks at cases and says, if we're going to pay and not pay and whatever. And he's, you know, he's the guy, right? Oh, yeah. For very, very large pens, cheap medical, a lot of responsibility. And, you know, when you run across that guy and he's like, yeah, I'm looking out for the little guy, you just shake your head and you're like, like whatever, mm. dude, you're a chief medical <laughs> officer for a medical plan, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to believe that. And then he tells you a story and you go, all right, maybe I believe that. And it, hmm. and it's pretty cool. And his story is that he's basically uh, raised on a, you know, in, in central California, migrant parents uh, worked on farms. Um, he makes it to school. He makes it to medical school. He becomes a doctor. Imagine coming from where he came from to be a doctor. His very first patient as a, in private practice has incurable brain cancer, um, a illegal, uh, you know, non-U.S. citizen, Ill, you know, illegally in the country, not able to access health care. And because of that, there's not a lot he can do for him. And he's got four kids. And, and, and just imagine, imagine the pain that Dr. Cruz went through going, my, I'm only one step removed from that guy. I could be that guy. I could have been him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I could have been him. And then he goes through this crazy, horrible divorce, Dr. Cruz does. And he also has one severely a handicapped child and he's the primary caregiver. Mm. And at one point in his life, he was so low because he had to take so much time off of work to care for his kids as a single dad. 
he had full custody, single dad of one that was, you know, needed a whole lot of care. Mm -hmm. And he was so broke that he actually, he's a doctor. He's so broke. He's actually digging in the sofa for change to go put together enough money to get gas in his car, to go pick up his paycheck. So he could cash his paycheck. So he could go to the store. And right. Um, I mean, I can't even fathom that. It's almost tearing me up thinking about it because, because imagine when he says, I'm looking out for the little guy. I, I know he is right. I know he is. And it's amazing how, uh, and once you know somebody's stories and you know the traumas that they've been through and what is driving them on a deeply emotional level, mm-hmm. then you can form this connection. And when a doctor looks at you or whomever looks at you and says, look, I'm really trying to do what I can to buck the system. Let's work together to figure it out. Sometimes they really, really mean it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's another example. That's it's because it's crazy because he was a little guy. That's, and that's when I was thinking, I'm like chief medical officer of a big right. like insurance healthcare I know. company. I'm like, mm, come on, you know, like right. insurance is a money-making entity. Like yep. there are certain things that like chemo, certain parts of the chemo that aren't covered and all these things like fertility, that's yep. like fertility treatments because chemo made you infertile aren't covered yep. or, and stuff like that. So that's, I think that's a really cool take on a, it's a really cool story. It's a, and it's a really cool take to be able to share that story sure. and to see somebody coming from almost nothing, going through something really tough and, and still and carrying that with him. Yeah. yeah he carries that all those opt- obstacles. Yeah. And still yes. being able to help the little guy. Yeah. When he was, uh, when he was, when he finally found like, I think six or eight bucks laying around the house that would allow him to get enough gas to get to his, to his work, to pick up his paycheck as a doctor, remember you, he just, it's a little emotional, but he just sat there going, I love my life. And it's, it's like, how could that guy not have the kind of empathy that we want from people that are in those kind of positions? And some people do. And it's really inspiring to know that if we just take a minute to realize we have no freaking idea what people have gone through and we have no idea what they are going through. And if we can just take a moment to learn a little bit, to ask the right questions, to really delve into what's driving them and their emotions and what kind of people they are. Not only are we going to be pleasantly surprised, but we're going to form those connections. I think mm-hmm. we so deeply want, you know? Absolutely. It reminds me of the quote, like, be kind for everybody who's going through a great battle. Yeah. Case in point, like you said, you know, we don't know what people are going through. They might don't be know. smiling, but, you know, having the worst day of their lives. Yeah. So being able to, to look deeper and empathize, yeah. I think is super important with all these stories that you're telling, which mm-hmm. I find like super interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to be tough for you to pick just one. So you can pick a, a couple. <laughs> I was going to say, what's your takeaway from this? What have you learned and what have you applied to life from these stories? I'm sure you probably have like hundreds from these uh, yeah, stories. Yeah, there's hundreds. <laughs> there is. You know, I, I it, and it just depends on what we're talking about. Cause I met yeah. some tons of people along the, along the way. And I'll, I'll tell you one story that was just literally kind of unbelievable was I I was at a uh, restaurant in Louisiana. Okay. So I already made it all the way out from California, all the way to Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And I pull in and my, uh, my buddy had come out to support me. And, and we were sitting at the dinner table at this little family Italian restaurant talking about today. Mm -hmm. And the waitress goes, Oh, what are you doing? And I said, Oh, yeah, I'm riding this bike across the country and blah, blah, blah. blah. And she goes, really? And I go, yeah. She goes, Oh my gosh. She goes, well, my, my grandfather recently died of cancer. And I'm like, Oh my God, tell me more. And we talked about it. And then the owner of the restaurant came over 
And she started talking about cancers touch your family like five or six different times and blah, 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 blah. And so I didn't give it another thought. We eat our dinner and we get ready to leave and the waitresses come over and they say, hey, can we take your picture? There's three, three waitresses at this family little restaurant. Can we take your picture? And I said, yeah. And so we took a picture in front of them and they gave me an envelope. Okay, and the envelope had less than $100 in it. But it, and why I think that's important is because this was a lot of money to them. What they said to me was, they said, we've all been touched by cancer. We love what you're doing. These are our tips from tonight. And I'm just like, how in the world could you be that sweet and that caring? And it just reminds me that we're, we're, we're all going through crap. We're all touched by, by cancer or the trauma of something. Mm -hmm. And if you just open up and allow people an opportunity to talk, they want to show that they care. They'll even take action to show that they care. Yeah. And so that was a big, I mean, that, you're right, a million lessons, but yeah. that was one lesson that was shocking to me was that the kindness of strangers, how we're all connected by quote unquote, the emotional side of trauma mm -hmm. and how it's not something we often deal with. And when you see like somebody dealing with it and you can identify with them and connect with mm -hmm. them on another level, because you're willing to do that, yeah. um, you know, it's, it really can really stick with you. Yeah. You're opening the door for them and, and making it okay and allowing mm -hmm. for that connection to be made and hearing a story like that, it really restores a lot of faith in humanity because there's, totally. a, lot, there's a lot of crap out there. There's a lot of bad news out there. And, you know, there's a lot of bad people and there's a lot of bad news and there's a lot of good people. Yeah. We can't stop news. that. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of good people. And yeah. you know, most people are looking for connection. Most people are trying to do the right thing. And you know what, even when somebody abandons you and they're not calling you at your time of need, they're probably most of the time thinking, ah, I just don't want to say something stupid. I just don't want to say the wrong thing. You know, uh, Jess is trying to forget about this stuff and I'm going to make her talk about it. And, you know, like they don't even know they don't yeah. even. Right. So that's the kind of cool thing is that, is that um, I, I, I definitely came back from this experience and I'm still involved in it, obviously very deeply, but I came back from, from, especially from the bike ride, realizing that there's way more good than bad in yeah. people and there's way more good than bad in the difficult things we go through all the stories are hopeful and, and yeah. inspiring some of them are super tragic yeah. but um but there's still something that we can take positive from it absolutely that's it's perfectly said i mm -hmm. i definitely noticed that from the interviews that i've done so far in the last almost two years for every i guess traumatic cancer story there's always something on the other side that that the person telling the story it, that made or created or started. And it's so inspiring to, for them to find that silver lining and to share it with the world and share their light with the world, mm -hmm. ultimately making it a, a better place, helping people create connections through like their trauma and, and making it okay mm -hmm. to talk about and share. And I, like you, it's, there's a lot of crap in the world. We, we talked about that, but I do believe that there's more good than bad. And we just have to open our eyes to see it and make those connections to see it and find that commonality, whatever it, it may be with whomever you're talking to. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. and to, to help like kind of accentuate that whole thought that you just gave, which was, was really good thought is I, I told the stories uh, first person from their perspective. So I'm not in the story. And, and that mm -hmm. took my editor and, and, and my wife as well, um, to explain to me that I'm not part of their story. I'm not part of their life. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Right. So take yourself out of the story and just mm-hmm. make it about them. Mm-hmm. And it was great because um, then I could say uh, the co- not the commonality I found in them, but the commonality that all of us can find in them. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's their story mm-hmm. and all the stories are remarkable. They're all amazing. And um, I think they're all they're all moving um, because we can identify. I think we yeah. can wrap our brains around what they've gone through. That's, that's truly beautiful. And I, I thank you. And I haven't even read it yet. Ah. Thank you for sharing this and bringing it to the world. So other people can read it and share it with each other and, and connect with each other through that. Like for you to be able to do this and, and, and follow through with it is, is truly a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I appreciate you for doing that. And I, I know the people who told their story, um, appreciate that too. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to reading it. Um, that being said, right. how, how can people find it? Uh, we talked a little bit right. about it. Is it on audiobook yet? <laughs> almost. I yeah. mean, almost, um, it, it, you know, hopefully it will be soon. Mm-hmm. Um, should be on audible. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, uh, uh, you know, obviously on, on, on Amazon, you know, that's where most books are sold is Amazon, yeah. Barnes and Noble and whatever. But mm-hmm. gosh, you know, I was doing a, a, a podcast, uh, this wonderful interviewer in Ireland mm-hmm. and I got an email from this gentleman that said, I've walked to three local bookstores and I haven't found your book. How do I get it? And I thought, mm. oh man, that's so cool. So wow. I, I sent him an ebook. Um, I wasn't going to pay 30 bucks to send him the regular book, but right, the you know, you could get, <laughs> you could get, um, you could get uh, the book wherever books are sold and, and go to cycleoflives.org. Mm-hmm. Um, you can learn about the different organizations that uh, funds are going to support mm-hmm. and learn about more things that are going on. And, you know, if you're ever interested in having a guy like me, you know, come talk, I, I do that kind of stuff. A lot of it for free. That's amazing. And um, yeah, so that's, that's where you would go. Perfect. That was my next question, how we can find you and how people can learn more yeah. about you. So uh, I'll make sure to add that into the episode notes. Uh, yeah, of course. And I also, um, I would like to do a, a giveaway of your book too. So when this episode airs, we'll do a giveaway. So anybody can enter for it through the Instagram story and we'll send that out to them, but to the winner. And that would be great for them. Um, maybe it's going to be December Perfect. by the time people hear this, maybe it'll be on audible. If not, we can send an ebook. We can send it yeah, from Amazon. It, it, it will be by then. And okay. yeah, I'll send you a couple signed copies. And you can oh my it. gosh, that would you be can, amazing. You Thank you. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, done. Well, great for me. Like, I feel like this is the perfect point to, to ask you, what kind of advice do you have for people out there across the board? Doesn't, doesn't have to be cancer related, book related mm-hmm. or anything like that, but what kind of advice would you like to give our listeners? Uh, keep it in the lane we've been in and, and, okay. and, you know, I just, I, I want to hedge it by saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. I'm no pro and I'm a preacher or what I, I don't like to be preached to, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, I don't want people telling me how to think or what to do, but I do think we all, we all know people that are going through something, right? Like you just said, everybody's going through something, but yeah. especially when it comes to more traumatic things like cancer and other stuff, mm-hmm. there's more behind the story. Yeah. It, it could be, you know, the suicide of a parent that's affecting them. It could be abandonment issues. It could be a lot of other things that are making it more difficult for them to go through on an emotional level, the things that they're going through because they're framing it around these other traumas. And I would say if I had advice is that most of the time people are looking for that deeper connection and looking to know that they're safe to talk to you about what they need. Most of the time they're able to do that. Uh, most of the time we are, but sometimes we're not. 
And if you can, you know, we all know somebody we haven't talked to that's going through something difficult, pick up the phone and just talk to them. Right. I mean, again, I'm not trying to trying to give answers to things, but I think it's pretty easy to say, yeah, I haven't talked to so-and-so because I don't know what the hell to say. And I don't want to sound like an idiot. I don't want to, you know, whatever. I, I think forming deep connections is what we're all looking for in life. You know, most of us are, and if we are, then get out of your comfort zone, talk talk to people, even if it's the wrong thing, they're going to appreciate it. Even if you haven't talked to them, call them up and say, I'm an idiot because I haven't talked to you. I was afraid to say the wrong thing. I'm probably saying the wrong thing now, but I'm reaching out because I care about you. Um, And and please let's talk, do that. Right. And who, who wouldn't welcome that phone call? I, I, I don't know. Like, I think that's perfect. And I, and I know it's appreciated, especially for the other person, the person on the other end. Um, yeah. it, it doesn't matter yeah, what you might you're just saying. catch them on the yeah. perfect day that they needed yeah. that. Right. Yeah. And honestly, exactly. A lot of times it is, it's crazy. And, how it yeah, and even if it's the worst thing you could have said at that time, they're still yeah. going to appreciate the effort. Oh, and so, yeah. you know, I, I think just at the end of the day, we, we really want to, to look back on our lives and believe that we, we made the most out of our connections. And mm-hmm. if not, you, you hear a lot of people, that's their biggest regret, right? Yeah. Is they didn't mend a fence. They didn't uh, follow through on something. They alienated a loved one. They whatever. Those are the regrets mm-hmm. that they have. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they don't regret the money they spent for dinner. They regret the, the people they didn't, you know, uh, form deeper relationships with. So yeah. get out there and do that. Yeah. That's your wake up call, everybody. It's not too late. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. On a lighter note, I'm really interested in all of the active, active things you do, the triathlons, Mm -hmm. the ultra Mm -hmm. runs. How, how, how is that going? What's your favorite one you've done so far? You just came Uh, off of one from last week. Like, like, I guess like, how did this just become like a thing? Like you started running and you're just like, I'm going to start swimming and biking too. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I just, you know what? I did it for a lot of reasons, right? One, I wanted to have a little more self-esteem and okay. feel like I'm a confident. I want to be a good um, role model for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be healthier and live longer, right? Yeah. So uh, that'll do it. Uh, it's it's kind of cool to know that you could continue to do these things. You know, I've been doing Ironmans for like almost 20 years now. And uh, what? I know, Great. right? That's it's stupid. <laughs> so, you know, and it's nice to know that. Uh, so part of the reason that I do it is is for those reasons part of the reasons i do it it's very contemplative so i solve a lot of problems and come up with a lot of ideas and 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 develop solutions to issues when i'm out on a four or five or ten or whatever 15 mile bike ride or run yeah it's a good meditative place to go Mm -hmm. it's also um i like to find out more about myself and i feel like if i don't continue to push my boundaries i'm never going to find out anything new so, um, you know, I kind of think like, um, you know, yeah, I like going to the same vacation spots, but if I don't go to a new vacation spot, didn't I already just make the world a really small place. So, yeah. you know, hit new places, do new experiences, mm-hmm. go further, go harder, go longer. You know, it's kind of like I tell somebody I go when they go, oh, you know, I started a diet, but then I stopped because I couldn't do it and whatever. And I go, oh, great. You already know everything about your life. Don't you, you hit your limit. <laughs> What? <laughs> you hit your limit. Like yeah. you're never going to know anything new about yourself. And they're like, what do you mean? And I go, why don't you go one more day on your diet? Why don't you go one more day of going to the gym? It's, it's more than you've ever done. You're going to find out something new. And every time you do that, it's a new world for you. Yeah. Or you can just go back home and realize, you know, everything about yourself. I mean, really? Yeah. So I guess that's why I do it. And that's why, 
even though it hurts, um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm still probably going to continue to do, do it in some form or fashion. Mad respect for you doing that. I, I was never much of a runner. I run sometimes, but mm-hmm. I found the thing that I love to do and I try new things, but like, I I've always admired triathletes and, and ultra runners and, and runners in general. But, um, I have a friend who does triathlon. She just did the, I think it was worlds or something in St. George a couple of weeks oh, yeah, ago. Yeah yeah. 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 It was crazy wins and stuff, but yeah. yeah, it's just really cool to, to hear her stories and, and just to know that like, she's constantly challenging herself, kind of like you, like it's pushing yourself a little cool. bit more, trying yourself every day. Yeah. And you know, like it's doing something that kind of scares you a little bit every day. And I think that's important it, for you. to. Be it does. To- but I mean, yeah. isn't it the best thing it in the is. world just to know that you could overcome something that yes. you imposed upon yourself? Yes. And that makes you learn something more about what you're capable of. And that can bleed into other things. Exactly. And things that aren't imposed by yourself to be able to handle. Yeah. I handle tougher situations a little bit better because I go, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to hurt. It's not fun. But you know what? You did a lot of things that were supposed to hurt that weren't fun and you chose to do them. So I, this isn't your choice, but you can do it. Doable. Yeah. Oh my God. That's perfect. And that's also good sprinkled advice for that too. Um, (laughs) Mr. Advice. That's I know. I love it. Uh, With this being said, what's coming up next before we sign off? What kind of, what do you have coming down the pipeline? Another book, any new projects, more speaking engagements? Lots of books, lots of speaking engagements. I I don't think I'm going to do another book um, that's along the same vein because I don't want to, um, compete against against this book yeah um I, I think it's a great book but i don't like when somebody writes 20 business books i just want to know the one you want to you want me to read yeah I don't, don't read cannibalize <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. um and don't contrive it so yeah. these are these are this real book my, my next couple of books are going to be fiction and they're they're great story-based books as well but they're cool. they're just hitting other other areas um, I will be continuing to seek out um, ways to affect people in a positive way from this book, the other book and, and other things I've done. So I will continue to, you know, uh, speak publicly and, and try to help educate and inspire people about these issues. So yeah. uh, that, and, you know, I just did an Ironman three days ago, so don't ask me about another Ironman. I'm still feeling the pain. Recovering. <laughs> yeah. I'm still like, it's so funny because anybody that, that that does endurance athletics will identify with, with this Jess that, that when you're done, you go, there's no freaking way I'm ever doing that ever again. Right. No way. And then the next day you go, Oh, it didn't hurt that much. Yeah. And the next day you go, oh, I could have done this and that better. And then yeah. the next day you're like, okay, come on, I'll try it again. No, I'm not there yet. Uh, a couple more days. How about that? Yeah, I've done 18 Ironmans. I don't know if I want to do another one, but oh, I'll do man. something. Super impressive. I'll do something. Well, you'll find something new and, yeah. and fun and learn yeah. more about yourself. I love it. Totally, totally. Perfect. Well, David, thank you so much for your time. I, I'm super motivated just from our brief hour a little less than an hour speaking together. And I've learned so much from you and and I am super jazzed to get this book and read this book and learn more about these people that you spoke about today. Yeah. Thanks. Well, when you do send me, cause you asked, which was my favorite. We didn't, we didn't get to that answer. Uh, yeah. I'd love to hear what your favorite is. Yes. Which one you think is the most inspiring or impactful. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. I will definitely. Well, did sure I love, I love hearing that. And I get a lot of uh, responses and it's shocking yeah. that it's all across the board. Yeah. I was there about to say, I'm sure each story touches people in a different way. Yeah. There's yeah. no one clear winner for sure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, before we sign off, is there anything else that you'd like to add and share with the listeners? No, just uh, keep telling everybody about Jess is my cancer story podcast. You're (laughs) a good interviewer and (laughs) you're doing a good job. And um, yeah, just, just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. It's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. And for all the listeners out there, make sure to check out David's book uh, called cycle of lives and uh, you can buy it anywhere you get your books from. So make sure to check it out, find him on Instagram, tell him your favorite story and uh, please feel free to reach out to myself or to him on Instagram. uh, If you, if you have any questions or want to learn more. So David, thank you so much for joining me today. Again, I can't, I'm like overcome with so much like bubbliness. I'm like super jazzed about everything. So yeah, thank you for joining me and, um, everybody just please make sure to, to check it out and, and check out the the comments below the link in the bio and everything like that. Perfect. Okay. Take care, Jess. Thank you. Thank you. Take care as well and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. really hope you guys enjoyed this episode and listening to David talk and tell these stories from his new book, Cycle of Lies. Like I said, you guys are going to have a chance to win a copy of this book. So please check out the link in bio below. And then also please go to my Instagram page, which is at my cancer story podcast to learn how you can win a copy of this book. You won't regret it. You're going to love this book. It is so good. So please check out the episode notes, learn more about David and cycle of lies, and then also check out my Instagram. Enjoy your day, everybody.